You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello, welcome. Now, if you're looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you are in the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus podcast, and it's super cool to have you tuning in to this episode. Today, we are talking about the things you can do on your website to improve your conversion rate, because that is what will help all your marketing improve. Um, and it will help you know the performance of your website improve too. Why are we doing this? We're doing this because this month we're all about improving conversion rates. We're tackling it from different angles. And this is the episode where we're going to give you lots of proven advice, lots of proven tips about how to go about doing that. Uh, my guest is Moans Muller from Sleeknote. Now, you may well know Sleeknote as the guys who do really cool email capture um, tools. Well, they're also somewhat obsessed with conversion rate and site usability and improving all that good stuff. And over the summer, they have done an amazing, truly amazing research project looking at uh, well, basically usability testing some of the biggest websites around and looking at what the consumers found on those websites, what they liked, what they didn't, and then distilling all of that into a set of recommendations. Not just recommendations of, ooh, big site does this, isn't that cool, but recommendations which are all about, these are the things that customers love. Now, we're going to meet our guest in a second or two, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 38,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact lists and emails that pop and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with improving conversion rates expert, Moans Muller. Moans is the CEO and co-founder at Sleeknote, where they help us turn visitors into subscribers. He's been in e-commerce for over 10 years and is just a little bit obsessed by user experience and conversion optimization. In fact, he's just spent three months conducting more than 240 usability tests on the world's biggest online stores, including both mobile and desktop experiences. Hello, Morgans. Hello, and thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Um, I can't I can't believe you just spent so long looking at this because I'm so excited to be able to give the results to the listeners. But before we did that, how did you end up obsessed with improving conversion rates in the first place? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, actually. I, I think um, back in the days, and this is like 10, like 15 years ago, uh, I, I worked at a, a web agency where I... I I accidentally saw a usability test at some conference or somebody talked about it. And I was just like, you know, holy shit, this is this is how you should look at websites. Instead of, you know, me having an opinion about this is a good website or a bad website, or this is best practice or not a bad practice, then, you know, looking at a website through another lens, through the visitors, through the potential customers, that was just like, 
wow, I should do this. And then like since then, I have just been really obsessed about the usability test in general. Um, and I think, and the reason why I'm still really like into it is because so few people are actually doing it. So I'm still kind of, you know, saying to everyone, you know, you should really do this. I know we also have like, you know, looking at behaviors or looking at uh, A-B testing data in general, but but getting this feedback from visitors is really, really valuable in my opinion still, because that is often where you get some answers and not just some focus areas to, to you know, look at. I completely agree with you. And it's kind of one of the reasons why this month we're not talking about a marketing method. We're talking about the conversion rates because I think so many people get obsessed with the Facebook traffic, the email traffic, the SEO traffic, but they forget about the fact that they can improve the performance of all of it by improving what happens on the website. Yeah, You were talking there about various tactics that we might use when we're looking at assessing how well our site's converting, which I think guess brings us on to this this massive project you've just undertaken. Why did you decide to spend three months going into so many websites in, in such detail? Yeah, yeah. Well, good question. Uh, and, and in many levels, because, uh, you know, we, we actually, we as many other people, we're also pretty busy in Slicknode and trying to grow our business and stuff like that. But but we in, we we invest a lot in content marketing in, in our uh, company. That is kind of like how we get our customers. Um, we, we are pretty old school. We, have a, we still have a blog <laughs> that we update quite a lot, do podcasts, a lot of this, uh, webinars. Um, and, and to you know, have some really good, um, really good content, I felt like you know, we, we need a new source for uh, you know, conversion, optimization best practices um like anno 2020 so it's, it's you know you can go and you can read some books that are eight years old or find the blog posts that are five years old about some best practices that have read the same books or based on the same books that are eight years old it's like you know we need some new stuff we need some a new source uh, that was kind of like how i felt when i began to do this to to build a new source uh and and to kind of be able to call it a source of, of good data, we also need some tests. So it was, it was not enough to just do five or 10 tests. I, I needed to, to, to do quite a lot of them. So it's not just you know, one people's gut feeling that I kind of base this on, but more you know, 240 usability tests. If half of them are you know, guiding me in this direction or finding this thing annoying, then you know, definitely it should be something people should optimize for. Um, I think one of the interesting things is that we often, you say, you know, we needed new data, but often when we see these, here's recommendations of what you should do based on the best, you know, the biggest websites out there, it's it's not done the test. It's um, Best Buy does this, eBay does this, Amazon does this, assumes that they're all doing what they should be and they're doing it well. And then we all copy it. Whereas you've taken it to the next level, haven't you? You've gone is what they're doing well and therefore what can we learn for it and i think learn from it even and i think that that really takes 
the information you've been gathering to a whole extra level of kind of validity, usefulness, and oh my gosh, I must get my hands on that. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you because that that is often how people are doing. It's like, you know, this is what Amazon is doing. We should do the same thing. But, you know, it, it might not be the case if you are not selling, you know, the exactly same thing as they are, if you don't have the same target audience, if you, you know, you don't have the same brand as they do, then you should not do the same thing as Amazon. Actually, Amazon has a lot of pretty bad user experience on, on their on their website in general. Uh, but, you know, I think it works for them in many ways because people are just used to the website. They're used to that kind of bad user experience in some cases. So if you're building a new website, you should not copy that uh, bad UX because you are not Amazon. Um, but that is where people sometimes uh, do a bit mistake in my perspective, just to see on the big websites what they're doing and then blindfolded kind of copy it. So what I wanted to do here, you really, you really nail it here, as I want to say, you know, there are things you, you could copy or be inspired from by on, on, you know, Amazon or Wish or ASOS or whatever it is. And these are the things. And then there are all the stuff you sh should definitely not do uh, because it, you know, <laughs> people hate it. Um, so for example, Salendo is a, is a, like a really big one, at least in Denmark. I guess they're pretty big in, in Europe in general. Um, they they really had also a lot of things on that website that people hated, and actually also errors that you know and and navigation that didn't work. Uh, so so um, so yeah, you, you definitely nail it there. Uh, that is the whole point for my research to figure out what works on the big websites and what doesn't, and then take or be inspired by that. Okay, well let's let's stop talking about the project and let's share some of the cool stuff you found in the project. So let's let's start with the homepage, which we can talk about landing pages, we can talk about where we direct, we know direct people to, but huge quantities of traffic continues to land on the homepage. So what 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 are the key things we should be doing on that homepage to uh, to keep customers from disappearing again? Yeah, yeah. So. You know, there's a lot of things on the homepage. It's a, it's a big big area, but but I've kind of I've kind of found out that there were three main purposes of of the good homepages or homepages in general. But three things that you can kind of highlight or think about when you structure the homepage. And first of all, it's a quick access to the navigation and search. Like most of those who visit your your homepage or come to your homepage, they need to navigate further down the website. So really quick access to navigation and search is just crucial. Uh, some websites actually, you know, both show, um, you know, a, the, 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 um, uh, the navigation very clearly, but on mobile, they sometimes they also show like um, uh, links to the navigation in, you know, the, the, the main column some on the website. So they kind of um, duplicate the, the, the whole navigation path because they know it's so important that people find that navigation. So quick access to navigation search. If you got several audiences, separate them. So if you sell both B2B and B2C, you know, make sure to, to separate them uh, to begin with uh, on the homepage. Um, also, if you are selling both to, you know, men, women, and you got some kids as well, separate them there so that you don't like go into the wrong uh, kind of department, uh, so to say. Um, and then like the main thing a lot of homepages can do is to inform about some current campaigns. So do you have free shipping this weekend? Do you have, I don't know, 20% off on some potential category um, or some specific category or something like that? Then that is also a great purpose for the homepage to make people aware of that because people expect to find the 
kind of recent campaign on the homepage. Um, yeah. Cool. And I, I want to come back to those those first couple of points there, where you said about quick access to navigation and search. Now, from what you're saying, I'm guessing that isn't just having a nav bar across the top. It's having clear, big links to key categories throughout the rest of the homepage. So people can, you know, they don't have to hover over something to find something to click on it if it's one of your best selling areas, for example. Exactly. Exactly. And, and actually, when, you know, I think the main problem about navigation is on on mobile. Um, most websites have, you know, pretty clear kind of navigation links on their desktop websites. Uh, it's it's hard to kind of, you know, fuck that up uh, to, to say it. Um, but but uh, but on mobile, it it can really be a struggle. Um, to first of all find the navigation, some people place the, the the hamburger icon in the right side, or they place it in the bottom of the mobile page. Um, and that is like very creative, but it's not very user friendly because it's it's differently from almost all all other websites. Um, so that's a simple thing. But then also to you know have a navigation that actually that actually works and that is user friendly. Um, I, I, some, I saw some uh, one website, uh, asos.com, uh, they had in the first kind of level in their navigation, uh, they had some really tall links uh, so that it, it, it actually made it very hard for the people who visited um, the navigation to, have an, to get an overview of what to kind of enter or where to enter. Um, and so a very simple thing, a huge website, but they just made it hard for people to, to get an overview of their navigation. And that's really sad uh, because you know or they have so many visitors so it should definitely do it a bit better uh, but then actually when they then when you entered the the first level and, and went to the second level they had a really good overview there so something from ASOS you should maybe copy is the second level in their navigation definitely not the first level <laughs> like it. Um, now you mentioned about you know the time for creativity is not mess- messing around with where your navigation is or where it sits, but there is a role for creativity on the homepage, isn't there, to create a great first impression. So, how do we? What should we be doing? What should we be using to make sure people get the right impression of the business when they land for the first time? Yeah. So I found one thing in my usability test that almost everyone liked at the homepage. Well, it, of course, a good navigation, clear search. But then this, I think you call it a hero image. Uh, I think that's kind of a, a term. Uh, that, um, it's easier for, to illustrate if I could you know, show it on a screen. But a big image in the top of the homepage that kind of illustrates what you do on the website. So if you sell shoes like Sappos, well then show a big picture of some shoes or some you know high heels or sneakers or whatever it is, um, and and then you know explain what this is about. Um, so that big hero image just made people feel well. This is this is a nice place. This is easy to find what I'm looking for, uh, and it's even easy to me to to see what this website is about. Um, so when talking about these hero images, some people make them into carousels, uh, like auto rotating carousels. And I, I guess you've also heard there's been a lot of you know talk about whether or not carousels is a good thing. Um, in my test, I've, I found that people actually liked it on desktop. Uh, it was not that people had any problem, even though you think there is this website that I can't remember the name. Is it like, you know, should I have a carousel on my website.com, something like that. And then there's a big no or something, <laughs> something like that. But actually on desktop, in my tests, 
people liked it. It was not a problem at all. They just, you know, click through the different slides and yeah, it looks great. And then they scroll down. But it's completely opposite on mobile. <laughs> on mobile, yeah. they really hated it. Uh, they still liked the big hero image, but they found it really frustrating if it was rotating automatically. So you could still have a, a slider. You can still have a carousel, but you just make sure that it's not rotating automatically. So you can just, you know, the user can click on maybe an arrow arrow in, in, in the side of the, of the big hero image and then click through. Um, so, so the big hero image is a simple thing, but it really works. Um, and then, of course, make sure not to fall into the banner blindness trap where you kind of design it uh, in a style that doesn't match the overall design of the website. Uh, that's also a little, little extra tip to the, to the hero image part. So we want to make sure the banner stands out or we want to make sure it fits to avoid the banner blindness? I, I, I would say it fits. Uh, stands out is not that important uh, because it will automatically stand out because it's in the top of your homepage and it's pretty big. People will look at it. But if you try to put too many effects on it, uh, like, I don't know, drop shadow, uh, big uh, borders, stuff like that, then it will kind of look more like a banner. Uh, like an, an, an advertising banner, and then people will not look at it. So it, it's, it's, it's a bit weird. The more you try to get people's attention to it, uh, the, the less attention it will get. So just make it kind of match to the, to the website's design in general. Uh, then you will not go into the banner blindness trap. I like it. So it's, so it's almost you don't want to click here on it. You almost don't want a link from it. You just want it a big image which goes, this is us. This is what we do. Yeah, you, you can still have a call to action on it. That's, that's not a problem. But just do it like elegantly and smoothly and, and with a button that, that looks like the other buttons on the website and not some huge green one that says, click here right now to, you know, I don't know, unveil all the potential in the world or whatever it might be, you know, oversell it. Uh, but just make it, make it easy and make it look great with a normal size button. And then people will think, well, this, this is a, a thing that actually matches the, the homepage. I've now got in my head this hideous banner with flashing imagery and, uh, and countdown timers and all kind of, kinds of hideousness, which I think means it's probably time to move on from homepages to the world of navigation and filters. Now, we've already discussed how the navigation needs to be clear and easy to find on the homepage. What else can we do to make sure when people find it, they have a good experience? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think navigation in general, um, if, if we look at, at desktop, there, there are a few traps that I just want to highlight that, that, um, that some of the big ones are doing here. Uh, for example, a lot of websites have this, I don't know if it's a term that is used other places in Denmark, but we call it a mega menu. <laughs> so like a huge menu that appears when you hover over, uh, let's say at H&M, they got this menu when you hover over ladies in the top of their desktop site, one uh, uh, like this huge menu of, I don't know, 50 different links appears. And this is this is, has been like a normal thing to do on a lot of websites, but people really didn't like that practice because Oftentimes, when they just hovered very quickly, they were moving the mouse like maybe towards the add to basket button, or they were moving the mouse just further down the website to find something. And then when you suddenly show a huge um, menu that fills the whole screen, it, it's it's just bad user experience. Uh, so a very simple kind of uh, way to to fix this was something I saw on a Costco wholesale. 
So uh, if people are listening here and they want to see it in practice, Costco Wholesale. They also have this big menu in the top uh, that, that appears when you hover. But instead of hovering right away, you need to hold the mouse or hover the mouse for like half a second on the link and then you it will be shown. And that is really intelligent because that is kind of like tracking a behavior that the people or the visitor wants to see it instead of just having a random kind of mouse over. Um, so, so that is, a, I think, a re- very important tip uh, in general, not just uh, online stores, but all kinds of websites with, um, with navigations and I guess all have navigations to some level. Uh, make this little delay. I love it because it's like, it's not, we need to redesign our menus because like, oh my gosh, what do we do if we've got loads of stuff we've got to tell people about and we need a mega menu? What on earth are we going to have to do here, here Moans? And then, and then you were like, just put a delay and it's like, wow, a half second delay. And it is such a simple thing to do. Great, great tip. So you said there were several other several desktop traps for our navigation. What's the next one? Yeah, just one more. And and this, what I talked about here is, is you know, um, when you have a horizontal navigation, so a horizontal line on the in the top of your website, but some websites also have this vertical navigation instead. For example, like websites like Amazon, they have a maybe shop all departments links up in the left corner. You click on that, and then you get a vertical uh, menu going down your website. And when you get this vertical menu, you also have some traps in front of you. If you go to Walmart. You also get a vertical menu. You maybe enter a baby category. And then when you move the mouse, again, I'm really sorry. This is, I would love to show this at a, at a screen. But move the mouse from baby into the, some of the, the sublinks. Then it will jump to the other, um, um, to, to the other uh, categories before you go to the sublinks. Because, because it's so sensitive. Again, because you just kind of hover a little bit over some of the other links, it will change. And that gives a very bad user experience. So again, the trick here is actually to, to make a delay. If you look at a website called Kohl's, so it's K-O-H-L-S. Um, they, they have also a vertical menu, but they have, a, a, like Costco, they have a, implemented a little delay. So when you go from one of the, the, the menu links to, some of the, to one of the sublinks, uh, and you kind of hover over some of the other menu, menu links, it doesn't change right away because it, it, the website figure, figure out that, you know, this is a movement. The, the visitor is trying to go to the sublinks, so don't change it right now until you kind of hover that other link for, let's say, a second. So again, and, and, and just a better way of doing navigations um, by kind of figuring out what the behavior is, what is the intent of the visitor, uh, and, and not just, you know, make it a yeah non-user-friendly way. Yeah, I, I, I suspect all of us have ended up swearing at the screen as we try to track our mouse through one of those vertical expanding menus. And you're like, come on, no, no, please, please. It's almost like a like a test. Can I can I use the mouse precisely enough to get there? Um, mind you, we've already talked about, when we were talking about homepages, we talked about one of those big topics of US, which is carousels. I've got, my next question is about another big UX topic, breadcrumbs. Should we, shouldn't we? Breadcrumbs. Well, great, <laughs> great that you bring that up. Um, breadcrumbs is for me when I do this uh, um, presentations. I, I got a slide where I put some small batches on the different kind of takeaways, and I have one takeaway that says, "Remember the good old breadcrumb." And the batch for this one is no brainer. 
So it's it's like this is a no-brainer. And and I have I have no idea why breadcrumbs have been kind of thrown away. It was such a great uh, UX kind of best practice used in I don't know since the 90s or something like that. Um, you know, and uh, coined back in the days by uh, Hensel and and Gretzel, right in the the old German fairy tale that got lost in the woods and couldn't find their way way back. I think Hensel uh, kind of I don't, I don't know was it the birds who ate the breadcrumb? So it wasn't that great, but at websites it's really great. Uh, there is no doubt about it. Um, so both on desktop, but like it's even better on mobile. And one of the main reasons, one of the main kind of use cases for breadcrumbs that I saw in my usability test was when people access your website through a Google search, which probably happens pretty often, um, and they enter a product page directly or a you know sub page, then sometimes they want to go back. But they don't want to hit the back button in, in the browser because that will bring them back to Google. But maybe they, let's let's say they want to buy, a, you know, I got four small kids, so I'm pretty often at the market for buying some uh, strollers, baby strollers. Um, and I go into Google, um, you know, type in strollers, and then I enter, for example, babyshop.com and enter a product page. Then I just saw this one product, but this is not the one I, I want to buy. I want to see the whole list of all the strollers. And then the easiest way for me is just to see that breadcrumb, see I want to go one level back or I want to go two levels back instead of trying to figure out how their navigation is working, how I, how I go, you know, how I found, find this level. So breadcrumbs, definitely a no-brainer. And, and I know it doesn't look great, so, uh, you know, design-wise. Um, I guess that's why it's been killed some somehow maybe some designers thought it was not sexy anymore um, and definitely not on mobile it doesn't look great but it's such a huge help for well everyone i would say now my next question um takes us kind of to the world between navigation and category pages and it's something which consumers seem to be using more and more from what i've read uh, and experienced but feel free to tell me if i've got that massively wrong but it's filters you know when we when we work out when we cut and dice the products ourselves as we're looking at a product page any any things you picked up around filtering is it good is it bad are there key things we should or shouldn't do in general filters are good so so people sometimes ask me can we have too many filters no you can't um, it, it's 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 impossible, I would say, uh, because if you got many filters and people don't use them, well, then it's not a problem for them. They will just you know don't use them. But on the other side, if they are very specific, if they have a specific need, if they want to only see you know uh, uh, trousers in one specific size, or you know it could be cosmetics that are uh, you know organic or whatever it might be, filters are great. So as many filters as possible, that, that's one good, good start. Um, other than that, I will say I definitely saw some websites that made this uh, badly, um, especially on mobile. Mobile is a, is, a, is a tough one for filters because filters is just a lot of menus, a lot of links, and putting that in a small mobile screen is pretty hard. So I actually have a few kind of quick takeaways for filters. I'll just mention them very quickly. First of all, make sure to test your filters with like, so you're sure that there are no kind of errors in it. The reason why I'm saying that is because, for example, when you are at Zalando, uh, when you kind of scroll in the filters, you sometimes scroll in the products in the backgrounds instead. So, you know, even one of the biggest <laughs> online stores in Europe, Zalando, are having mistakes in the kind of UX and filters. So no mistakes, no errors. Then make it easy to jump back and forth 
don't use toggling. So kind of, I don't know if toggling is a, is actually a word or we just use it in Denmark, but you know, toggling <laughs> when you open something up and then you kind of toggle open or is it called mm-hmm. collapse? Um, just don't, don't it's, it's, it, it can work, but it's really hard to get to work. So just make it easy to jump back and forth with some links that kind of changes the page. Um, then show the number of matches uh, on the different variants. So if you got like small, medium, large, write a little number on, you know, just beside small where it says 30 matches. Uh, so people know how many uh, products matches this specific filter. Uh, don't do this both on the products, on the different filter kind of parameters, but also in the bottom of the filter menu. So you got this overview all the time that now um, I've gone from, you know, a thousand products to 500 products to 100 products to 20 products. Now I got the, the number of products I want to have. And then you can click, su- click submit and you can go to the kind of, the, you know, the product list. Um, then also, if you got color variants, don't just show the text, but show also the color, like with a color. <laughs> uh, some people don't, it's it, weirdly enough, but some people are not completely sure about colors. Um, for example, if you're just saying multi, um, then people, you know, what is multi? Is like, is it variant? Is it a new color or is it just because it's a lot of different colors or, or what, what could it be? Um, and then the last thing that is really important for me is uh, on mobile, let the user decide when the list is getting updated. Some websites kind of updates the filters and bring you back to the product list every time you click submit, or, or sorry, every time you choose a filter. That is like in almost all cases, bad UX on mobile because people want to decide themselves when to submit, when they have when they have chosen enough filters and they want to update the list. And I know this is actually something Amazon does. They, they, they submit every time you choose a, um, a filter. Um, so, you know, they must have tested it somehow. And of course, I, I don't know their results. I don't know their numbers. But I can just say that I would say 85% of those who visited filters that had this kind of auto submit when they chose a filter, they didn't like it in my tests. So that's, you know, that, that is, that's how I can look at it. Um, um, yeah. Mind you've just picked up on, uh, on my most hated thing when shopping. Um, as, a, as a lady who doesn't wear black and therefore when I go clothes shopping, I am online, I am selecting lots of different colors, but not in order to not see anything that's black. And when that site refreshes every time I click a color, it's so tedious. Yeah, um, yeah. Right. Exactly. Personal rant over though. Sorry everyone for that, but that's, <laughs> that's a real sore point for me. Um, but I won't name anyone who does it. Um, you're safe, but you know who you are. Um, so obviously filters are big on category pages. Is there anything else we can do on our category pages to get the customer through to the product? Because the product page is where they're going to buy. So are there a couple of things we can do on a category page to increase the number of people we get to product pages? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's actually one thing re- very much related to filters uh, that is uh, that works very well, and that is showing the active filters on the category page. So on most websites, if you if you need to kind of deactivate a filter, you have selected, you know. Um, blue and green shirts, and then you want to only see green shirts. Then you have to click on the filter menu. You have to go into finding the color variant and, and 
and it's just a lot of taps on mobile. But if you show, uh, if it's possible for you to kind of delete, remove the filter directly from the category page, that's just very, very user-friendly. Um, so show the, the, the different filters in the top of the page uh, so it's easy to remove. You can see, it if, it if it's hard to understand what I'm saying here, you can see it in action on sapos.com and H&M. And I will say in general, if you're visiting H&M, uh, almost all the best practices that I just mentioned, they are doing that on in their filters. So H&M are doing other stuff, uh, not fantastic, but their filters, they really nailed that. So that's a good place to start if you want some inspiration. Um, and then I'll say that, well, there's a lot of things to, to do in the category pages in, in general. Um, one thing that was a bit surprising for me, um, I when I did the usability test, I also had eye tracking equipment. Uh, so we we bought some pretty expensive eye tracking stuff. Um, and uh, to be honest, I didn't. I I got in, I got valuable stuff out of it, but I thought I would get more. But one of the places where I got some really valuable stuff out of the eye tracking uh, was when people was looking at the uh, the, the the category pages here. Uh, then when products had some small batches on them, for example, new or reduced price or uh, Amazon's choice, or you know, I, I guess you can uh, recall some websites that have these, um, they really catch the visitor's attention. And oftentimes it, it resulted in a click or a tap on mobile. So these small batches on products, uh, they really worked. Uh, and they, you know, they just catch the attention. Of course, if you have a product list where every second product has some kind of batch, you know, it, it's it's getting diluted. It, it doesn't work that well. But but a few selected products works fantastic. Uh, you can see both on. I know Amazon is doing it. Walmart is also doing it very well, uh, both on desktop and uh, and mobile. Nice. Well, thanks, Mind. You've given us so much great, so many great things to do to improve our performances there. We're going to pause now for a reminder of our sponsors, and then we're going to be talking about the whole wide world of improving conversion rates. It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact lists, send memorable emails, automate key messages and more. Way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster. And it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Moan, so far we've gone deep into homepages, category pages, navigation, but now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole world of improving conversion rates. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with improving conversion rates, which of course does include homepages, navigation, and category pages. So Moans, are you ready? Yeah, sure. Excellent. Let's start with improving conversion rates, newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with improving conversion rates today, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? Yeah, good question. I'll, I'll you know, improving improving conversion rates in general is is a really big thing. I, I would say I would mention one thing that is 
just working very, very well for, for at least for me, uh, but I think in general for people, and that is to do their own usability tests. You know, I've been doing 240 usability tests now. Of course, we're also testing our own website, I think every second month. So if there's one thing people can do to improve conversion rates is to do their own usability test. And I know it's uh, Corona times right now. Uh, hopefully that will change uh, pretty soon, but you can do, you can also do it remotely. Um, so getting someone that, you know, that is not yourself and that is not your colleague and that is not your, your boyfriend or girlfriend, but someone that haven't kind of looked at your website yet to test it out and to buy some products or to find some information. And then you can watch them do that. That is just, I, you know, that, that was what happened for me 15 years ago when I kind of got that, uh, I saw that for the first time. Um, and so that was, that will be the one thing. And it's really, it's really not rocket science. It is so simple, uh, but get maybe five people to do that. And after five people have done it, you will, you will have, I will guarantee you'll have four or five pages of inputs and thoughts and uh, things that you will improve on your website. So don't hire 20 people or get 20 people to do it. Instead, do it, do it recurrently. So do it maybe every second month, do it every half year or, or whatever fits your, your, your schedule. Uh, it, will, it will, I won't say skyrocket conversions but that, because that sounds crazy, but I'm completely sure that it will improve conversions in general if you begin to do that um, regularly. Oh, great advice. And um, for everyone out there, if you're about to embark on this, the most difficult thing about what Moans has just outlined is not saying anything whilst the person's going through your website. You have to keep quiet and let them do it. Exactly, um, exactly. Okay. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve conversion rate performance? Yeah. So... I'll say if if I if I continue a bit more in in where I was right now in in of course conversion rate but also the usability testing part I actually have one tip there I wanna I wanna um, um, say as well and that is when you do the usability test yourself it's hard to be quiet yeah for sure but start people out at Google so instead of putting them to your own website to begin with start people at Google and then make them search for the product category or the kind of services you provide and then. Uh, afterwards, let them go to your competitors, because when they go to your competitors' websites, uh, they they experience what works and what doesn't work there. And then afterwards, you can take them to your own website. And then when they figure out or they find something that they are not satisfied with or something that is not user friendly on your site, they can say oftentimes that this was better at this site, the, the, this other site that I just tested before, or this worked a lot better over here, or this is actually really user-friendly, a lot better than the site I saw in the beginning. So having people on your competitors' websites before entering your website, that is that is a really like important thing. That, that is when usability testing for me really became the, the, the one tool for conversion optimization. Because now it's not just people's thoughts about what's not working, but it's also ideas for what what is working. I love that. That is proper next level advice. Thank you. Uh, now, it's impossible to improve our marketing unless we're monitoring performance, but the list of stuff we could monitor can be overwhelming. So what for you is the number one improving conversion rates KPI? 
Yeah, that's a good question because it is actually the answer is in the question. It's the conversion rate. <laughs> the, <laughs> conversion rate it, the conversion rate is a KPI, right? So, so the, the and of course there can be different conversion rates. You can have a conversion rate to uh, you know pe- people visiting your website and buying a product. You can have a conversion rate for filling out a form uh, where they should you know you should give them an offer or some on something. You can have a conversion rate for newsletter subscribers. But I would definitely say. In, at least in the most cases where customers I work with, and now I've been testing these um, e-commerce websites, uh, it, it will be the conversion rate for people buying a product. Um, so that conversion rate is, is crucial. Um, of course, stuff like bounce rate, stuff like that is also interesting to look at, but this is the, the one metric for me. Cool. And finally, crystal ball time. What's coming in the ne- up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for as we're improving our conversion rates? Yeah, so I would say in in again in regards to usability testing, uh, things are getting a lot easier uh, when doing eye tracking. Eye tracking on mobile is actually a thing that is pretty hard to do um, uh, because it takes some expensive equipment. Uh, it's 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 hard to get the tracker to work uh, right every time, but. Uh, I've seen some. I think it's on Product Hunt. Uh, some different uh, software, um, different products now, where you just use a uh, one of the newer uh, smartphones. Their cameras are so good, so they can actually begin to track uh, where people are looking at on the screen. So then you don't have to have this kind of stiff setup where you know you have to look out for your arms. They are not getting in front of the the eye tracking equipment and all that. It it, it is a bit weird to do eye tracking today on mobile but i i believe maybe it's already here and i just didn't you know i didn't see it yet but i'm pretty sure within the next 6 12 months eye tracking will be a lot easier on mobile and and that will change a lot because eye tracking can be very valuable um especially because you don't have to ask so much when doing these tests you can just look at the eye tracker and you can see if people are reading something or if they are confused if their eyes are kind of looking everywhere on the side um, so, so that is at least for me one of the things I'm getting pretty excited about is that eye tracking is improving so much right now, um, and it has been on like the same level for the last ten, yeah, ten years or so. But now it's really moving. Um, so, so yeah. So wow, that's that the idea that you could just download an app to a phone and then do eye tracking on whoever's um, holding it. That's that's going to be groundbreaking. That's proper clever stuff. Um, all right, Moans, we're nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, so sleeknote.com is where we are found. Um, Sleeknote is a tool where everyone can create non-intrusive and personalized pop-ups to their website. So so we, lo- we work a lot with conversion optimization in general. We got this tool, but we also help doing usability testing. So sleeknote.com is where we, where we are found. Um, we're also on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and then we write a lot of blog posts, um, but that's also on sleeknote.com slash blog. Uh, on conversion optimization in general, but also on in, in email marketing. So um, yeah, I will say that the blog is definitely a place to to get some uh, some information. And also these all these tests that I've done, we haven't really kind of launched the results from that, other than me talking a bit about it in post- podcasts like this. But at sleeknote.com/blog, um, we will also release this um, uh, all these findings that I found in the usability tests. 
Excellent. Mine, thanks so much for coming. Well, thank you, first of all, for running the test you've run. I think you've done us all a massive service. And thanks as well for, for being willing to come on the podcast and, and share what you've learned. I know it's going to help a huge number of our visitors, our, our listeners even. Got so obsessed with improving conversion rates, I'm calling them visitors. Uh, so <laughs> well, I'm sure it's going to help help our audience. So we're really, really happy you came on to talk about it. So thank you. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Wow. Uh, wow. So there is a tips packed episode for you with a lot of things which it's not that hard to change on your site. And just a reminder that Moans wasn't running through those tips as things he'd found and thought were cool. He was running through the things which he's put consumers in front of and seen how consumers react to and what they react badly to, what they react well to. And that's where those tips have come from. It's like I said, it's a it doesn't surprise me it took me three months to put it together. It was a huge pile of work, but those results, they are really, really useful. And a lot of them are small things you can do, easy things you can do to, to really up the game a bit there. Um, they have created a series of videos which are going to be available on YouTube that delve into the various tips uh, and tricks they found, uh, including checkout experience. We didn't get into checkout experience today. We didn't get into product pages either, but both of those are included in the video series they're doing. And we've added links to those videos on YouTube in the uh, the show notes, uh, where you can also find the links to the other things we discussed, the full transcript of this episode, um, our notes on the show, and, and quite a bit more really at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z. So if you want the videos of Moans running through the key points that we went through today, plus the ones about product pages and the ones about checkout experience, we've put the link to all of that in the show notes at keepoptimizing.com for you. Now, as part of my mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited all this month's Improving Conversion Rate Specialists to join us for a Q&A webinar at the end of the month. That's going to be your chance to get your conversion rate uh, questions answered. Because I know you probably have quite a few questions, some clarity you want around the different things we've been talking about this month. So go and get yourself registered for the webinar. Just head to keepoptimizing.com and you will find all the details. If you, of course, are listening to this after the webinar happened, then don't worry, the replay is also available to find at keepoptimizing.com forward slash webinar. Um, so what else do I need to tell you? Oh, yes, I need to tell you thank you. Thank you for tuning in um, to this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast and tuning in week after week. It is very cool to see the numbers as they go crazy up and also to learn a bit about which episodes you like more than others because um, there's a few... There's a few which you guys really love. So we'll be pulling that into our thoughts about what content we bring you over the coming months and beyond. So thanks for tuning in. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, then I would suggest checking out our episode with Ian Scar from Clayvu because there we talked quite a bit about filters as well. So if you're thinking filters and nav, um, that episode about on-site search, we talked a lot about filters too. So I think you'll find that one useful. Um, and, you know, we create this podcast to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their marketing. So please do tell your fellow marketers, your fellow e-commerce people about this show because I want to help them too. Now have a great week and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.